Well, good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to this outspoken event with David Williamson and Anthony Mullins. My name is Stephen Lang, and I'll be your host this evening. I'd just like to express my gratitude to whatever govern, gods govern the performing arts in Australia for allowing us all to be here tonight. Well, uh, perhaps, uh, perhaps I should hold off on pouring out the libations for a little while. Last time we had an event here, the power went off halfway through, so <laughs> I might just wait for a minute before thanking the gods completely. But I would like to express my thanks to all of you for coming out on a night like this with storms and uh, hail and all the rest of it. Thank you so much. It's so fantastic that we've got um, such a fantastic audience because it means we can have such fantastic speakers. Uh, the format for this evening is that we'll start with a short interview with Anthony here, 15 or 20 minutes, and then I'll invite David to come up to the stage and we'll talk for about an hour, including time for questions at the end. <clears throat> we should all be done by book signing at about by about 8 p.m. We're recording the event for our podcast, so when we get to the questions, I'll ask you please to wait for the roaming microphone to come to you. Uh, before we begin, I believe it's appropriate that we acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we're gathered tonight, the Jinnaburra and Gubby Gubby peoples. They are the keepers of the ancient stories of this place. I'd like also to acknowledge those who continue to work for the protection and promotion of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander culture, creating a legacy for future elders and leaders. Our first guest tonight is Anthony Mullins. Anthony is a BAFTA and Orgy award-winning screenwriter. His first short film, Stop, was selected for official competition at Cannes, and one of his first television gigs was writing webisodes for the groundbreaking US television series Lost. Anthony has been a script producer and script editor on numerous award-winning shows, including Safe Harbor, which won the 2019 International Emmy for Best Miniseries. Uh, he has a doctorate in visual arts from the Queensland College of the Arts, where he teaches regularly. I should probably declare that I have a connection with him personally, because <laughs> in 2004, I think it was, we were both part of a small group who undertook a master's program at QUT on screenwriting with Gerard Lee and Stuart Glover. Uh, the ten of us uh, it, it spent a lot of time talking about many of the questions Anthony teases out in this book. Please welcome Anthony to Mullaney. Thank you. I, 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 should, I should point out too that Stephen was probably one of the most opinionated people in the class, which was fantastic. I mean, uh, it was just great fun talking about a film with Stephen afterwards. So I, and I thank you for that. Like, we all talk about that. Yes, so. well, I mean, there was a very eclectic group of people there, including some people who were really into writing horror films. And, 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 and I think that my horror at their horror was... And was, was matched by their horror at my liking of Gosford Park. <laughs> <laughs> you did like Gosford Park a lot. <laughs> I like Robert Oldman, basically. It is. It looks, uh, it's an amazing film. Uh, but listen, before we start, I just wanted, I thought you should probably tell the audience what an actual webisode is and, and what you were doing with them. Sure, sure. Uh, so uh, a web series, so I made a number of web series for uh, a show called Lost, which you might have heard of. Uh, spooks as well um, and uh, the web series that we were making they're basically like little uh, online episodes of the show that would just exist online and the way that we made them was that you're able to interact with them so you'd sort of become part of the storytelling you'd interact with the characters you'd be sent on a little mission or something like that 
And at the time that, I, that we, like we won a BAFTA for uh, uh, Spooks, uh, for, for um, working on a web series for Spooks, and I didn't even know there was a BAFTA for this sort of thing at the time. So it was kind of, it was a, a real delight and a surprise to go, oh, you, we won a BAFTA? Like, how did that happen? Yes, exactly. It was kind of nice. Yeah. <laughs> a British Academy of Film and Television. Yes, yes, Thank you. that yep. one. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think it'd be right in saying that the book you've written, this uh, really fascinating book, which is actually a kind of a, a book about script writing specifically, mm. but it, it's, it's written in some way against a particular idea, and that idea is what you call the hero's journey or mm. what um, Gerard, our friend, used to call the three-act restorative structure. <laughs> That's uh, right, he did call uh, it that. So I wondered if that might be a good place to start to s describe what that is and how it's used in most commercial cinema. Sure, sure. So who's heard of the hero's journey here? Is it? Look, there's, it's interesting. There's a few hands go up. Basically, the, the hero's journey, it's a storytelling Idea. It's a, it's a way of analysing stories. It was developed by a guy called Joseph Campbell uh, in the 1940s. He was a, 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 a literary scholar. Uh, he, he studied folktales, those sorts of things. And he claimed to have found a particular pattern in myths from across time and from across all the ages. And these, this pattern in the story, he called it the monomyth, literally the one story that all humanity across all cultures, the story we keep telling over and over again. And it's kind of the, the, the pricey of it is, it's about a, a hero who goes to an unfamiliar place and they, 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 of course, because it's an unfamiliar place, they face great struggle. And in the midst of that struggle, they kind of go through an emotional rebirth. They, they become a different person because they go through all of these struggles. And because they've changed emotionally, things work out really well for them. It's because they've been able to change that they're able to um, solve the problem that they, they face on this journey. And he kind of said, look, you know, that's, that's the story we keep telling over and over again. And that's probably a familiar story. For the, you, know, you kind of hear the shape of that story and you go, yeah, I, I think I know that. And it was made famous in uh, screenwriting circles by George Lucas, who used that exact shape to create the first Star Wars. He literally took 17 steps. <coughs> Joseph Campbell had sort of spelled out 17 very prescriptive steps that the story had to go through. And George Lucas just did it by rote. He just went, oh, OK, I'll just fill in these steps. And he came out with Star Wars, which is an amazing film. It's so influential and it's incredible and I love it. And I was, I was eight years old at the time. Incredible story. And of course, lots of other stories that, that, that we come across um, have that shape where the, the hero goes through an emotional rebirth, they become a different person in the story, and it's really inspiring. It's like, oh, wow, that's, that's a great story. It means that change is possible and things can work out for you. But to call it the monomyth, to call it the one story, to call it the only story that humanity has ever told, I mean, what about Oedipus? Uh, what about uh, Icarus? Uh, what about uh, the Shakespearean tragedies? Um, clearly, there was this sort of mismatch, and I think we felt this in the, yeah. the course that we were doing. It's like the only screenwriting, like basically every screenwriting book uh, since, uh, uh, probably since about 1980, has talked about the hero's journey. And film executives have used it as a way to bully 
screenwriters into making one particular sort of story, a story where the character, where things always work out for the character, and it's because they've been able to change themselves. But as any cinephile or anyone interested in story knows, uh, and David and I were, were talking about it, I mean, David has some war stories about this sort of thing as well. We tell all sorts of stories. Sometimes things work out for the, the hero, other times it doesn't. It ends up really badly. I mean, the godfather, I mean, sure, he gets to be the godfather, but it's a cycle of violence that his family will never escape. It's very, very dark. Or maybe sometimes things kind of work out halfway in between, like uh, Nomadland. Has anyone seen Nomadland? It, it, what an incredible film. Um, but things are very ambivalent in the, at the end of that story. Sure, she has changed, but her future is very uncertain. That's, that's not a spoiler, by the way. It's an incredible film. So there's all this variety in the sorts of character arcs that you can make. And I, and I guess the, my book was uh, uh, an attempt to give screenwriters, as well as the producers and uh, development executives who are bullying the screenwriters, another way to talk about stories so that they can pick up on all the sorts, the full range of stories that, that we have to tell as people. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, this is what you're saying is that there is a, there are actually more nuanced ways of looking at stories, and the the way you've approached it, which I really like about this book, is that you introduce this idea of close reading. So you're mm. you're suggesting people, and speaking of this, that this book mentions what about thirty films or something? I, I think that doesn't yeah, mention. Sorry, it actually gives <laughs> the outline of about yeah, thirty I've, films. I've watched a lot of films. Which is, yes, this book. is the thing. I, I, I suspect that a lot of your life has been watching cinema and television it's for not so bad. <laughs> but it's, it's not a bad way to spend your time, I guess. <laughs> well, yes, exactly. But you, but you're not kind of overweight and uh, and uh, and living on a diet of uh, pizzas. So kind of it, it, it gives yeah, us that. I, I've got to walk every day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> got, got to get out of there. Got to get away from the television every now and then. Do you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was actually a lot of fun to uh, to choose the. The, the films that would go in the book because I, uh, I, I didn't really know who was going to read the book. Um, obviously, a lot of screenwriters, but I, I hope also just lovers of film and lovers of story would pick up the book and kind of think about, you know, why, why do I like that story? What, why does it affect me? Why does it draw me in? How does it work? And so I tried to choose a really nice range of, of, of films that, you know, every chapter has a classic in there, things like The Godfather and things like Star Wars and you know, Aaron Brockovich is in there. And so all these films that are you know, 20, 30 years old now, but also tried to drop in there a range of quite recent films that have all been embraced by either audiences or, uh, or critics. Uh, and it was, it was a del delicate balancing act, sort of, you know, making sure that each chapter, you know, they weren't they weren't all just comedies, or they weren't all just tragedies, or they weren't all just classics. Um, but yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. But it was, fun. it was interesting. One of the things that I noticed about that was because I really liked the way that you summed up the films. There was a, a kind of clarity. You, you, it felt to me like you kind of got out of the way and just oh, told the story very clearly and uh, concisely, which is quite hard to do in some of these films because a lot of subplots and stuff going on. So you have to kind of find the main thread and, and mm. then bring the subplots back in. But one of the things I noticed about it was that many of these films were big star vehicles with um, major directors. Yeah. Sure. Not once 
did you mention a director's name <laughs> or, a, or a film or, or an actor's name? I'm so this, glad you noticed that. This is, this is, this is a book about scriptwriters, isn't it? This is, right. about, this is about the people who sit by themselves in a room. You can, yes, you've, you've picked up, I love it that you picked up on that. Yeah, there are no directors talked about in this and there's no actors. Uh, I, all, the, all the characters are only mentioned by their character names. But I do mention the screenwriters of uh, because they get they are so they get so overlooked all the time. No one has any idea who wrote these things. Um, David has kind of I'm sure has lived this uh, this problem as well. But yeah, there's you know many great films that we love so much. Um, we have no idea who wrote them. All the glory goes to the director. So this was a chance to sort of right the wrongs of that. <laughs> So thanks for picking and, it up. And, and the other thing in the book that as soon as you pick it up, and as soon as I hope you do pick it up, as soon as you pick it up, you'll notice there's all these graphs in it. And the yes. graphs are showing uh, the, um, the, the, character the, the, line, the plot lines and the emotional changes in, in the characters <laughs> as they're going. They are super nerdy. But, super. But, but, <laughs> but, but I love them. <laughs> but interestingly enough is that as, a, as in all graphs, there is an XY axis. And along the Y axis of the graph, there is time. Mm. Do you want to speak to that for a minute? Because it's really important. You never talk about it, but it's right there. The, On every graph, it's got time. Yeah, well, I, mean, uh, I, I sort of, this is how nerdy it is. I mean, you'll, you'll notice that you know, along the bottom there, it's, it's got the time as to when certain plot points happen in the story and when certain character choices happen. And this is kind of me grappling with, this is me figuring out the film. Because when you sort of sit back and just kind of look at it objectively, it's like, okay, well, when does, when does Luke Skywalker make that choice to go off and save Princess Leia or whatever it is, whatever the film is? You learn something about the film because you learn, well, when, when does he make that choice in the film? Is it in the first five minutes or is it 30 minutes into the film? Is it 45 minutes into the film? And you start to get a shape for the film. And what you notice is that every film has a different shape. It's not like a formula, like The Hero's Journey or a lot of these other sort of Hollywood formulas would have you believe, you know, there's just one shape that all stories fit into. Every story has a, has a unique shape, all of its own. And what I'm trying to capture, I guess, in these graphs. I'm a very visual thinker, and that's why I gravitated towards graphs. And I, I started doing these in that master's with Jared uh, and Stephen. But what I'm trying to capture is not just the plot. It's not just what's happening to the character. It's what's happening on the inside to the character. And what I, I realized when I started the book is that's not something that really gets talked about very much in a lot of screenwriting manuals and a lot of screenwriting courses, those sorts of things, it's, you know, they, they usually, if you've ever seen a, a, a graph in a screenwriting course, they're all very similar. It's like, things get more dramatic, and then it peters off at the end. You know, it's like, it's, which is kind of obvious. Like, the story's going to get more dramatic. But what isn't described is the interior journey of the character. What's happening for the character inside? What are their, what's going through their mind? What are the feelings that they're having? And how are their beliefs being challenged? Are they changing in some way? Or are they really holding steadfast to, a, to their beliefs and their, and, and their values and the things that they want? Um, and so, I mean, one of the... One of the uh, has, has anyone seen Promising Young Woman? 
Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a really interesting film. What, what makes that film not a hero's journey, and one of the reasons why I mention it in the book, is because the hero in that story is tempted to change throughout the story. I, I don't want to give too much away to people who haven't seen it, but it's, a, it's an incredible film. She is tempted to change, but uh, at the end of the story, she chooses not to change, and that's how she wins the day. And that is the opposite of a hero's journey, and it's a very ambivalent ending. Uh, and so I was really interested in those sorts of films that stepped outside of that norm, and I tried to find a way to visualise it, because I'm a visual thinker and it sort of helps me to just see a picture of it. But it was just a real delight to really sit with these films that I really loved and take a really close look at them and just think about them. Like, why do they work and how do they work? So, yeah. Mm. It's so, a great journey. I mean, one of, the interesting, revol- <laughs> one of so. the interesting things about the time that we live is that there has been a kind of revolution in the way that we watch story. Mm. And cinema is almost taking a second place to the longer, longer form television. I wonder if you'd like to talk to that for a moment, long form television, and how that plays out in what you're talking about here. Well, I mean, if, if you ever needed, an, if anyone said, yeah, the hero's journey applies to all stories, I could argue against that with one word, television. Because television is a never-ending story. No one knows when those stories are going to end. I can tell, I write on television shows and no one knows when that story is ending. As long as the ratings are good, we're going to keep going. (laughs) So, you know, to sort of break it up into a hero's journey, you know, 17 stages, like no one knows what those stages are and no one's talking about it in the writer's room as well. The hero's journey is completely useless to a a television medium because it's a never-ending story. The other part of it that's really interesting is in the last 20 years, you know, we've, we've gone through an incredible uh, golden age of TV. And that golden age of TV is built on anti-heroes. <laughs> the Sopranos, Mad Men, Breaking Bad. David and I were talking, we were, we were reveling in uh, Succession and Ozark. We're both massive fans of those shows. These films are filled with terrible people. <laughs> awful, awful people. And things are not going to work out well for them. Uh, you know, it, things didn't work out well for Tony Soprano or Don Draper or Walter White. And I, I've got a feeling for the Soprano, uh, for Succession and Ozark, the same will be the case. So it's hard to see. And, and a lot of them don't change. Like a character like Tony Soprano, the point of that story is his inability to change. He goes through all of this therapy for seven seasons. <laughs> and at the end, and this is not a spoiler, his psychiatrist goes, Tony, I can't help you anymore. <laughs> I'm just reaffirming your, your, your antisocial behaviour. I'm just, I'm, and so she says, I, you, you will never change. And it's true. TV characters don't change. Like in, in the space of an hour and a half, a movie character can change quite dramatically. They can come up, become a completely different person. But in TV, you can't do that because you've got to come back next week. They can't be a different person every week. So if they're going to change, it's going to take a long time. And in fact, in TV sitcom, 
the the way TV sitcom is made is the characters never learn anything. <laughs> because that's why we laugh at them. <laughs> it's because we want to come back next week and laugh at them, do exactly the same mistake they did last week. You know, that is the reason why doll is, you know, the, the Simpsons, you know, Homer Simpson says doll all the time. It's like, that's his inability to learn anything. And that's what makes it funny. If they did learn something, they wouldn't be funny anymore. So television, it, it just, it, the hero's journey is that idea that all characters are going to go through an emotional transformation. They're going to become someone different and that is going to fix their life. It doesn't work for television. It doesn't help you understand television storytelling. And it doesn't help you understand a lot of other stories as well. So, yeah. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Anthony. Um, uh, just before he goes, I just want to make a little announcement because um, since I asked Anthony to come here and do this, uh, he's had the news that his book, um, the Beyond the Hero's Journey, has been accepted into the UK and USA for publication, which is just an extraordinary achievement. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, Stephen. Thank you. Oh, oh. Thank you, mate. <laughs>